of the Iceberg, it's all on the surface, baby. Episode 4? For Tuesday, April 6th, 2021. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and I'm joined here from the top by Reed. Hi, hello. How's it going? Hi, hi. Hey, hello. Uh, so, here we are, our second uh, consecutive week, talking about the movie Venom. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, one week was not enough. It could not be continued. <laughs> Uh, the movie, we, we got about halfway through the movie, uh, in a, in, on a public beta podcast, which was, uh, uh, what, what do you want to say, co-opted, what was the word I'm looking for, uh, became the Venom podcast last week. So here on Tis the Iceberg, we will, uh, we will finish our synopsis of the story and eventually release a compilation, uh, where you can hear, uh, the full review of Venom as it was meant to be heard back to back. have you, uh, have you thought any more of Venom? Are you seeing it in a new light? <laughs> Lee, I watch Venom like once a week, so every time I watch it, it's a new experience. Um, you know what? It's you know, so dense. Yeah, every frame. Every frame is packed with so much detail. Um, yes. <laughs> Skirth, the doctor. She's visited by thugs. the The editing in this in this uh, sequence is is insane. So we bit, more or less left Eddie in a lobster tank. Uh, he believes he's suffering from some kind of parasite. Uh, his ex girlfriend's new boo. In Dan, the surgeon has uh, taken him in as a patient, has given him an MRI, which the parasite did not like. And we, of course, know that it's not a parasite at all. It is, in fact, a symbiote from space. Uh, and it is it is inside Eddie, and it is talking to him. And he's having a bad time. Uh, Drake, Carlton Drake, the, uh, the villain uh, here, <laughs> apparently without any security cameras or security guards that can recall a man's face... <laughs> or any, for a billion dollar uh, facility, uh, at least, you'd think he would have such such simple things. But he needs to know from Dora Skirth who was let into the lab uh, and, and what they made off with. So, uh, <laughs> Drake and some lab techs are running, running tests on the current successful host uh, volunteer. They blast him with sound and find that the symbiote reacts negatively to it over certain decibel range. Skirth is escorted into the scene. She apologizes to Drake we cut to Eddie on a cable car, because it's San Francisco, not yeah. New York City, as Reed uh, thought it might have been <laughs> uh, last week. Uh, we hear the symbiote's voice once again, and he says he's hungry. Uh, hungry. That's where we left it off. So, without further ado, Reed, if you'll indulge me, a little ASMR for the boys. Uh, we got a uh, sugar-free fruit punch. Rockstar. It's Rockstar season. Only the Rockstars are, uh, are on sale now. You're out of that energy drink game, so good for you. Yeah just chips and uh cola for you or what, what, what no i just water getting elderly just gotta drink lots of water wow without further ado eddie is forced up to his feet by a force that we cannot see he holds <laughs> it together until he gets home to make some tater tots uh this time he decides to cook them yeah like he, he's definitely growing into his own here <laughs> yeah this is the symbiotic relationship Eddie yeah. is teaching venom that you can cook the tots and then I can uh, digest them better. Can you yeah. imagine the shits Eddie has taken? Like a bunch of black goo that goes back up inside of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> a human skull. Yeah, fucking... Uh, yeah, it's still strange that Eddie Brock is still just going home after he broke into this billion-dollar corporation. But, you know, I, I admire his confidence. Yeah, well, he's kind of on the run, right? That well, the, the plot hole here is that Carlton Drake doesn't know it was Eddie Brock. When he absolutely fucking should. <laughs> or, or have some kind of security system in place that would would have told him immediately it's Eddie fucking Brock. Um, or be suspicious of Eddie Brock have it based on what Eddie told him earlier and the fact that that was like secret privileged information that they had already fired a lawyer over that there was no follow-up. This is a man who kills homeless people to test pharmaceuticals, but he in no way follows up on Eddie Brock. Yeah, so, or... like, we'll try to kill the reporter who illegally broke into our corporation and found them out himself, but we will not kill the lawyer who has seen all the legal documents that say human experimentation on him. Like, And here we are. Like, yeah. why, well, is, why is Eddie so much more dangerous than Anne when both of them could go to the press and be like, hey, look at this shit? Eddie is also, like relatively credible for a man who seems unhinged yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah so you, stupid yeah. <laughs> uh i'm hearing voices too says eddie uh to ann ann calls on the phone confirms that eddie in fact has a parasite according to dan dan's looking at the mri results and he's just like you got 
you got some black you got some black shit there. That's not you do, that's usually that's not usually there. Uh, Dan the is bad. also on the line and says uh, that's normal for parasite victims to be uh, hearing voices. Uh, Dan is like reassuring I, Eddie over the phone, and Eddie's I, like, "I'm hearing okay. shit." Yeah, <laughs> and he's just like going along with it. He's uh, just like Dan, he's like this. He's like, do parasites make you climb trees really fast? And Dan says it's normal to hear voices. You're like you kind of skipped over the whole tree part here, Dan. Uh, Eddie's the way Eddie describes things though is he's a little a little hyperbolic. It's like, it's, uh, you ever it's climb to tell a tree what... really fast? <laughs> you climb a... He's like doing the like the, the crackhead neck scratch while he asks this. Yeah. Uh, Dan <laughs> says it's time for some meds. Eddie is continuously distracted by a voice of the symbiote in his head. He hangs up on Anne. Eddie's neighbor begins blasting music again. Eddie screams and knocks on the door, showing his neighbor a cool... And remember, we talked about this term last time. Venom face. Oh, yeah. It's bad. Uh, to make him turn it off. This is when uh, the venom face... Uh, vibrates through. So I actually uh, didn't think of this the first time around. I thought he was just trying to freak the guy out with the Venom face, but the music is so loud that it's actually hurting Venom, and that's why Venom vibrates through Eddie's you, face. You here see, we, that's the that's the that's the detail that you get when you get a guy like Flesher on this project. All right. Yeah, you don't get this with a Doctor Strange. No. Or a, uh, a, a, a Wanda Vision. No. You don't, any of the X Men movie, you don't get any. Uh, you don't get this detail. with Scorsese. You don't get this with Spielberg. You get yeah. this with Flesher. It's this is what you come to that man for. And zom- <laughs> zombie land movies. Uh, Skirth and Drake are discussing what happened. Okay. Yep. Drake demands to know who she allowed into the lab. As we've discussed, it's completely ridiculous that no one knows Eddie Brock was allowed to open a door and freely. <laughs> roam this lab where people are de- there was corpses in a he opened a door anyways yeah no cameras in the corpse cages lee uh yeah please no no pictures uh yeah. drake says he will surely die if like drake should literally have like an emp like if you walk into that lab and you don't have uh clearance or something it like zaps all your electronic devices and like applies a explosive collar to your neck right. and tells you to stay put. He should have live. cameras like at the very least. Like, come on. Yes, <laughs> something. Uh, Drake says uh, he will surely die uh, if if they can't bring him back to the Life Foundation, referring to Eddie or whomever it is that broke in and took the symbiote. Drake promises to do things different if Skirth will trust him. He's gonna change it all. He's gonna. He's a changed man. Reed. Yeah. He's had his moment. You know what? I, I, this morning when I woke up, I'm like, I wonder how many homeless people we'll kill today, testing uh, my uh, my theories in the lab here. Then a reporter breaks in and steals uh, his his experiment, and it's time it's time to change his ways. He's, yeah. saw, he's seen the error. Skirth tells Drake that it was Eddie Brock, straight up, just dead ass. It was uh, right. It was so Eddie. Lee, I got a little bit of a different interpretation of this scene. I think maybe he might have been a little bit genuine when he said we'll do things differently until he heard it was Eddie Brock. And then he's like, oh, okay, now I'm just going to continue being a fucking asshole. Yeah, but who could have she brought in that he would have been okay with? Like, she could have said, like, it was Gordon Ramsay, and he would have been like, oh, well, oh, I fuck, love... I love Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> Why did you tell me? <laughs> so now we are going to change everything, because I don't want Gordon to think less of me. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, I didn't consider. See, uh, Drake Lee, tells that's her, another great thing about this movie is that it's it's up to the viewer's interpretation of how you break down these dense scenes. Yeah. This is a man who earlier in the movie already threatened her uh, her family. Her, didn't, he, yeah. didn't he ask about like, her kids or something? Anyway, like, uh, Drake tells her that she was it. their best at the Life Foundation before exiting the room and setting the symbiote upon her. Uh, see, if, see, further reinforcing my theory, Lee, if he was always intending to kill her, he would not have been like, things will change, because they're already in the death room. She should have saw Yeah, but this guy has given a fucking biblical speech to a homeless man before killing him. Right, but so we know he's clearly a man of the cloth, Lee. And what, <laughs> he's done what some is, reading, this guy. What does the good book say? Forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, he's, he quotes the Bible, and then he's like, and then in the Quran, uh, so Eddie removes some burning tots from a toaster oven, a knock at the door. Venom warns Eddie not to open the door. Eddie does it anyways. It's the thugs from Drake's office, the same thugs. It's, it's them. It's the same yeah. guys. Uh, Eddie and Venom argue back and forth over Eddie raising his arms in surrender for some uh, some commie. Uh, one of the thugs shoots a taser at Eddie, and Venom takes over, using tendrils of its own being to beat and maim the thugs. Everyone is down. Venom suggests biting off their heads and piling them in the corner. 
Uh, more thugs arrive, and Eddie <laughs> makes his escape. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eddie willing his body through a window and through another window in the building next door. Video from the ordeal is shown to Drake. So, let me get this fucking straight. Drake has security cameras in other people's apartments, but he doesn't have fucking security cameras in his own He's goddamn got laboratory. Drones, Lee. He's achieved symbiosis. He's a Drake. <laughs> Like, dude, Bring don't you already have a homeless guy? Like, that one homeless guy surrounded in yellow that also achieves symbiosis? Like, Well, like, down. for the most part, yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, but, like, him having, like, all this footage on his security team and all these mobile trucks and all these drones, but his fucking facility is bare bones? Ridiculous. Also, we don't see Doris Girth die, so it is possible she returns in a sequel as, uh... Shriek? <laughs> As, well, like, let's be honest. Maybe it's Jenny Slate. Like, fine actress. You could, you could bring her back in a sequel. Is right? she? Is she in other things? Uh, she. Yeah, she's around. She's in things. Oh, yeah. Well, good for her. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so uh, Drake is watching this. He's a tree of symbiosis. I want them back. This is the first time we see Venom in an action scene. Other than just uh, knives coming out of a woman's back and stuff like that, so and uh, is, it even cool. action, Eddie, whole... is it even What's an action? Is it even an action? Is it even an action scene when all the action is indirectly coming from Tom Hardy rather than actually coming from? That's him? why it's a unique action scene, <laughs> and it's an action scene that this movie needed because it's a Venom trope, right? It's like the when Spider-Man first gets Venom and the tendril comes out and like almost kills uh, when he's when he's chasing Shocker up the church in the cartoon. And the Venom tendril comes out and tries to murder Shocker against his will, and he saves him. Uh, that it's a trope of uh, of the symbiote, and they had to do this scene. And I thought it was done pretty well. I like that Eddie is reluctant to cause this violence, and he's like apologizing to, to one of the guys at one point. He's like, "Sorry about your friends or whatever." So As sorry he, like, about picks your up friends. a bar- barbell and just like fucking slings it into some guy's midsection. Uh, maybe some kills here. We don't see any other than we don't really see anyone die here. Venom, as far as we know, is uh, pulling his punches. Yeah, Let's some, say that. some nice implied murder. That's right, which is what the, which is what PG-13 is for. Uh, Eddie stops to talk to Venom in the reflection of a car window. Venom pins Eddie to a wall with itself. Uh, Eddie tells himself he has a brain tumor, and he's imagining this or some shit. Venom uh, is insulted that he was called a parasite. A drone crashes into the wall, just missing Eddie. And it, it sounds like there should have been more of a pause between those two two thoughts, but the movie doesn't give one, so I'm okay, not giving wait, one. Wait, wait, wait. I feel like... Dude, I think we got this movie out of order. Uh, we definitely don't. Are you sure? Because I'm like 99% sure that the MRI scans come after the bike chase scene. Uh, no. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm absolutely positive. <laughs> Are you sure? There's another scene in the hospital coming up. Okay, that's probably it. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry. Trust me. (laughs) You have to trust me when it comes to Venom. Uh, A drone crashes into the wall just missing Eddie. Eddie mounts his motorbike and hits the road. Armored vehicles and drones chase him. Eddie's arms are enveloped with the Venom symbiote, and uh, we've got ourselves a chase scene. The lead... Uh, the Bill Burr-looking motherfucker uh, is named Treese. His name is Treese. The bald guy. The tall, bald guy. Trees. Yeah, it's like uh, they were. <laughs> it's like yeah. they were going to name him Reese, and they're like, "No, no, no! That's that's not man. That's not tough enough. That's not henchman enough." So they just put a T in front of it. Or it's because this man is usually like standing in the woods, about to kill people. So they're like tree. <laughs> yes, trees. He's in the trees. It's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> where's my Where's my lead thug? Who trees? <laughs> trees. Uh, Drake implores him not to let Eddie get away. Drones explode, bikes are jumped, property is destroyed as Eddie and Venom evade their pursuers. Sandwiched between two vehicles of bad guys, Eddie exclaims he's surely going to die. Venom reaches through the vehicle's windows and sends them into the parked cars along the street. Treese blindsides Eddie and Venom, sending Eddie's body to the pavement. Uh, you know, probably some implied murder again in this scene, especially if anyone was, like, sitting in their car, like, smoking a spliff or something like that. Yeah. Their, their heads were taken off by this fucking chase scene. Uh, but it was a cool chase scene. San Francisco is a, a pretty sick city to have a chase in with all its hills and uh, and uh, scenery and what have you. Foliage. Uh, he lays broken and, frankly, really fucked up on the pavement. Therese approaches, reporting his success to Drake 
on his little, like, radio thing. The Venom symbiote emerges from Eddie's skin, healing his wounds and broken bones in the process. The hulking alien stands, gripping and licking at Treese. Another thug fires a slug into Venom's back. Venom bites off his head and escapes as uh, the police arrive. So like the quickest see... cut of a head bite you've ever seen. Uh, yeah, this is our first time. This is the, the money shot. This is the, you see, here, here he is, ladies and gentlemen. It's Venom, and he looks pretty good. Yeah. I, like, we don't really talk about it, the special effects in this movie, but, like, the symbiote, how it acts, how it moves. It's uh, very Venom-like. <laughs> yeah, is, is, and I consider Venom, the, the, the most media I've consumed of Venom is on a still page, uh, that this, this all seems pretty, tr- they do a good job here, as, yeah, as far as I'm fine. concerned. And uh, Tom Hardy's performance uh, in between is, uh, is uh, it, it, being the reluctant, you know, hero that is very capable is is always interesting. I always like it in a action movie. The uh, the wanted the uh, oh I I can I'm actually a great assassin and I can bend bullets. <laughs> Do uh, you like Hancockly? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> so Venom swims across the uh, the bay, spits Eddie onto a buoy for a talk. Venom says Eddie belongs to him. Eddie is a loser. Cooperate and you might survive, says Venom. Yeah, I, th- I, promo on him. I think it's safe to say throughout the rest of this review that the best part, maybe the only good part about this movie is the interactions between Venom and Tom Hardy. It makes Tom sense. Tom Hardy and himself. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense that it would have good chemistry since they're the same person, both outside and inside the movie. Ha! <laughs> um, ha! Yeah, but just just the quick ramblings and quips they have with one another, the teasing. It's really uh, high school buddy reminiscent. It's it's a That's, good time. It's supposedly what uh, Tom Hardy is referring to when he says a lot of uh, stuff was cut from this movie is a lot of that stuff. Which um, yeah, I would have I would have taken a full movie Lee of Venom where like there is no like bad guy or really plot. It's just Eddie Brock trying to live with Venom. Yeah. Bumbling like, around the city tr- and, and like, ki- stopping crimes where he can. Yeah, and, like, he, uh, maybe he has a date and then he has another date and, like, Venom has to get him from each date while he goes on bathroom breaks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we have to go to the other date, Eddie. <laughs> and then Tom Hardy's like, hey, I got a virus or something. And then, like, Venom fucking swings him all the way to the other side. So that's kind of the interesting thing about Eddie Brock as a character and... Uh, his character arc, if you could describe it in this movie, is Eddie doesn't learn anything in this movie. <laughs> He's kind of a fucking idiot and an asshole, and he kind of just ends the movie a fucking idiot and right. an asshole. No, he he did some pretty heinous shit as a human uh, to his to his girlfriend and, and seems to have some uh, pretty shady tactics to get what he needs. Obviously, he's, he's he's virtuous. He's doing it to expose people who are doing evil things, but he himself is not a... Uh, it's not a blank sheet of paper, so to speak. And then uh, he's given this immense power, the, these godlike powers, and he he seems to know right from wrong. He seems to be able to teach the symbiote right from wrong, as we as we hear later in the movie and stuff like that when he's talking to it. But uh, yeah, you get you get the idea that a, a switch could be flipped at any time, and like Venom's going to be biting people's heads off uh, on a weekly basis, no matter how long this this relationship goes on. Yeah. Uh, all right. The symbiote uh, that was in the astronaut. And then the paramedic, and then the old lady from the market, arrives in San Francisco in little girl form. Yes. Okay, things are moving pretty quick here, so bear with me. Oh, Dr. wait, Dan, I didn't, dude, I didn't even think about that later scene when the little girl shows up. Holy shit. When she's just in the lab, and he's yeah, just like, oh. Yeah, just shows up in Carlton <laughs> We're almost Drake there. It's just like, what the fuck? How'd you get in here? And you're like, well, apparently you have no security. <laughs> no, you can just walk in. The- I thought, like, that uh, Eddie maybe swiped a security card, or, like, he's he's he disabled something. No, th- there's no security. You no, walk he- into the lab, and you see corpses. You yeah, the see- al- when the alarm went off for Eddie, he just left the building. Yeah. Like, they're, they're touring those kids through the lab, and Drake's just like, hey, kids, want to see a dead body? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go. yes, exactly. Uh, Dr. Dan calls Anne. Eddie's condition is far worse than he thought it was, and they need to bring him in immediately. Immediately cut to Drake. He is flipping out. Uh, the tests continue to fail, as did Treese. Uh, he demands Eddie Brock. Uh, and then we immediately cut again. Anne arrives at Eddie's apartment. It's swarming with cops. One of them advises her to get lost, and I quote, 
There's bodies all over the city tonight. What kind of cop tells that to a fucking pedestrian? He also has, like, kind of an accent to him that's definitely not... Like, they went to Central Casting and, like, we need a cop. And they got, like, the New York City cop. Like, hey, lady, there's bodies all over the city tonight. And yeah, just, like, maybe got, in New York. It's from the Northeast. <laughs> uh, all over the city. There's bo- There's not only bodies here, lady. There's bodies all over the city yeah, tonight. Yeah, if, you, if you went back to that chase scene, Benham killed maybe, like, three people. And Those this... drones were exploding into crowds of, like, near crowds of people, though. Someone's got, like, maybe they're, like, hurt, but I don't there's, know. There's a deleted rated R aftershock scene, Lee, where it shows all the aftermath of the bike <laughs> scene where people are, like, dead in their cars and, like, their fucking... fucking legs are off because of drones and shit. I mean, that's release the Fleischer cut. Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Uh, Anne calls. Uh, he says, "What is this?" Swarm with cops. He says, "This happens all the time." As well uh, is the thing I forgot to add. The cops like it happens all the time. Uh, Anne calls. Eddie forbids her from coming near him as he enters his old offices. The friendly security guard refuses Eddie entrance. Eddie tells him to deliver some photos to the boss. The security guard refuses. Eddie tells Venom not to eat his friend out loud, mind you. Eddie excuses himself. Venom offers to climb to the top of the building instead. Venom takes in the view. He exclaims that Eddie's world looks pretty good from up high and that he'll hate to see it end. Eddie questions what he means by that as an airplane falls over, temporarily paralyzing uh, Venom and nearly killing Eddie as he slides down the building. They break into Eddie's boss's office, leaving a note and the evidence. As far as I'm concerned... This is never followed up on again. No, yeah, I was I was going to say, I'm like, I remember this scene very clearly. I remember it having no fucking purpose. Because... I don't think there's a... There's a... Nothing comes back around to this, because I think by the time... Uh, by the time the boss gets to this evidence, Carlton, Carlton Drake was dead. <laughs> morphed with an alien and exploded in a rocket crash. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> like... How do you do? <laughs> Things, shit moves fast in San Francisco, man. Reshoots, uh, Lee. Yeah. That's that's all this screams to me is reshoots, and they're just like, "Fuck, we don't have enough movie for this movie. Keep this scene in, even though it has no fucking bearing whatsoever." So this is also the first implication by the symbiote of any kind uh, that they're here to fuck with Earth, but they weren't coming here initially. When they got here, maybe that became the plan, but they were just cruising on a comet, and we recovered them. They weren't like coming into the Earth's atmosphere. Or had a modality of getting to Earth that we know about. They just happened to end up here because Carlton Drake found them and brought them here. Then suddenly we learn that the the lead symbiote who is in this little girl that we mentioned earlier uh, is, is named Riot. Even though I don't think they actually named the symbiote that in the entire fucking movie, by the way. No, Venom uh, says his name is Riot. And then, okay, well then I just missed that line, and that's the only reference to it. Right, uh, because if I'm remembering correctly, Lee, in the comics, like, Eddie Brock calls himself Venom because, you know, spiders, poison, Venom, whatever the fuck, right? Sure. But in this movie, Venom is like, my name is Venom. And you're like, you're a fucking symbiote. How do you have concept of real-life words, and especially the edgy oh, ones? Oh, you can't, you can't, though. You can't start, you can't do that. There's... So what you're what you're talking about is the uh, how smart are the symbiotes? How do they learn? And we know that if they're on a host body, they have Fair access enough. to the okay. host body's like memories, and that's how they can learn English and all that kind of stuff. So that scene's just left out of the movie. The idea that these things are able to latch onto these homeless people and volunteers and learn about our culture and our world. And then maybe in that short amount of months where Drake was was testing the symbiotes, they learned about Earth and they they learned they were gonna fucking take it over. Or that would have been it. that would have been really cool if they're like, oh, the symbiotes adopt some of their hosts' like personality traits or whatever, right? Yeah, and it, like all the bad symbiotes that Eddie Brock didn't take are all addicted to coke and like heroin and shit. <laughs> they're just like, yeah. hey man, got any fucking money? <laughs> some fucking grift. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's. I think that's, like, a missing scene of the movie. That's an implied thing that took place over the months. Because the symbiotes weren't coming here. We snatched them out of space. And then... Like, I'll believe that they gave themselves names. and Which makes it super lame uh, that the symbiotes were like, Oh, we should give each other names. I'll be Riot. I'll be Venom. Like, just so hot topic, edgy of them. All that's missing here, Lee, is a line that said, We were on our way to Earth to destroy it when the scientist man picked us up anyway. Right. 
well, that's not the only thing that's missing. There's a lot missing. But um, that would have that would have solved a lot of issues. I feel like that would have helped in this particular scene where we're we're wondering what Venom is referring to, and then Eddie questions him, and they don't really bring it up again until the end of the movie. Uh, Eddie gets called a pussy for taking the elevator back to the lobby. <laughs> a uh, SWAT team uh, of over a dozen men are waiting with laser sights on Eddie. Eddie warns them not to engage him. They refuse to stand down. We got ourselves a smoke-filled lobby action scene. Okay, <laughs> let me fucking tell you how ass backwards these SWAT teams' processes are. Okay, Go they're like it. they're like okay, we're fighting giant black creature in the middle of the night. Let's throw smoke grenades so we can't see it even more, and then we'll use laser sights so he can see where we are at all moments. Right. They well, some of them have goggles. So some if they had sure. like if they had the night vision and then they pop the smoke and turn the lasers off. But it's nighttime. Uh, Reed, listen. <laughs> it's a SWAT team. They get they they have training. We don't. Who they have to tell? use all the tools. <laughs> <laughs> Venom runs around the room incapacitating but not necessarily killing any of the attackers. <laughs> Wilhelm scream. Uh, Venom uses one man to smash several others before tossing him through several plate glass windows. This man is very likely dead. And other than the man who gets his head bit off is maybe the second for sure casualty on screen. Uh, as the other one... Uh, oh, shit. And then he grabs another one and spikes him into the floor like a football. That guy's probably dead as well. Uh, Venom is about to eat a SWAT member's head when Anne appears. We don't eat policemen, you hear Eddie scream. Uh, Eddie tells Anne that he's very sick and out of control as she escorts him to Dan at the hospital. If you're missing what happened there... Venom takes out a lobby filled with SWAT men and grenades, tear gas, bullets are flying, and wanders into this situation. Uh, Eddie regains control, and then they just casually walk out. Yeah, there's no car. Yeah, there's no EMTs. There's no like beat cops on the street making sure nobody comes near the situation. There's no backup SWAT group. That how did Anne get get? She walked in the front door like everybody else did. Right, because they sent one SWAT group here, Lee, the police, and they were like, oh, they'll do it. We don't need to check up on them or anything. Yeah, like, there's no helicopter. Yeah, we don't no, Yeah, we don't need to, like, border off the street. We don't need, like, fucking ambulances. So, Let's just get them, and then, yeah. Momentum. I think what happened here is it's Anne escorting Eddie out of the building. And sure. therefore, if he was stopped by soldiers, she would be like, oh, I'm, I'm getting him out of there. That monster's still in there or something. But again, that scene is not in the movie. But you no. can see that in Eddie form, Anne could escort him out. How did Anne walk through the front door if there are other cops and people posted on this building? Let's not think about it. Let's just move on. Venom. <laughs> Venom. Uh, <laughs> uh, Venom explains to Eddie, who explains to Anne, uh, that sound and fire are the weaknesses of the symbiote. Eddie argues with the Venom voice in his head. Venom tells him to apologize to Anne as he may not get another chance. Tom Hardy acts a little bit here. And uh, then you hear Eddie <laughs> out loud sincerely apologize. And no, I would her, say uh, the opposite, Lee. Tom Hardy tones it down a little bit and brings it back to earth for a minute. He gives a, like, downright by the books uh, <laughs> apology. <laughs> as opposed where... to be like, hey, Ed, I'm fucking wacky lobster man here, hey? <laughs> and a, a drone is shown following them. Uh, after Eddie tells Anne that she he loves her, and obviously you know what Anne this is... scene was. You know what this movie was missing, Lee. You've seen the What's Sonic that? movie, right? I've seen the what movie? Saw movies. The Sonic movie. Oh shit! Yeah, sorry. You, you know why the Sonic movie worked was because of Jim Carrey. But there's one scene specifically that made it great, and that's when Jim Carrey was releasing his drones, and he decided to put on a song, and he did a bunch of dance and a bunch of wacky shit. Now imagine okay. if Carlton Drake did that. I'm just going to leave I mean, you with that. That would help, but that's... I, I, <laughs> the idea with the Jim Carrey performance is uh, that that movie is for children, whereas this movie is for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, and Venom isn't? <laughs> Venom is, like, like for us. Like, it's a love letter to, to this... To whatever this is. Uh, Drake wanders his lab alone. He exclaims, hello? To no one. A little girl wanders into frame. Are you lost? Asks Drake. 
the girl grips him by the neck with a uh, symbiote tendril, and that scene is over. Uh, see, Lee, a lesser movie would explain why Carlton Drake was wandering his own facility alone with no security. And a better movie, I mean, a worse movie, sorry, would also explain how the little girl just fucking wandered in there. Or at least would have shown, like, a three-second scene of the little girl, like, killing guards along the way. You know what I mean? But no, I not mean, that would have ben- been cool, yeah, because because yeah. Riot's got all those axes and stuff, yeah, but right? Not so she's Venom. just walking down the hallway like not Darth Venom. Vader in Rogue One. Venom, no. Venom is a cut above the rest. We don't need explanations, Lee, when all the viewers are already so smart. And okay, can- so <laughs> I got I got problems. I got like really big problems when you start to dig into the symbiotes. We were just discussing. That the symbiotes ended up on Earth by accident. Yes. We were just discussing how does Venom, so seemingly accustomed to our being able to communicate with Eddie yeah. on on his own terms, uh, and 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 we're thinking, oh, maybe in these many months, that the symbiotes have learned and they've planned. However, this lead symbiote in Riot has been traveling, and we can assume that it has also learned about Earth's culture. But it will now have to cut caught up on the rest of the developments of what has been happening to the symbiotes because the symbiotes are not communicating that we can know. There, there's no ESP, ESP for symbiotes. They can't talk to each other over long distances, right? Yeah. So, like, what, what are you trying to say here? I'm trying to say that the symbiote in this little girl has been separated from the other symbiotes in this lab for months. Yeah. And shows up and finds Drake and takes him over. It's a... It's a plot convenience thing. It's like they wanted the scene where the symbiote oh, travels through yeah, people's like, bodies you're to get how, to him. Yeah, well, you're wondering how Riot would know right away that Carlton Drake is, like, the man. Or, or how Riot even knows to go to this lab. Has been watching the news, I guess, and the Life Foundation, and yeah, knows that's where right. its other symbiotes See, are. Lee, this is why I thought at the beginning of the movie that they've always had these symbiotes, and then they launched him into space for some reason, and then they fucking brought him back. Because, like, it makes Listen, no I can't s- dispute that because <laughs> yeah. that makes the movie make a whole lot more sense. Right, because now Riot knows who Carlton Drake is. Now Riot knows where all the symbiotes are. Now Riot knows where to get a rocket fucking to get to space is. Right. Were the symbiotes trying to escape previously? What What are they. What is the. What's Jesus going Christ? on here? <laughs> so it's. Let's, it'd be. See, on. Lee, this, would, this would, movie would another benefit from another three second scene. So here's here's my revised scene just before this, okay? Little girl goes up to guard phone booth. Guard at phone booth is like, oh, what are you doing here, little girl? Stab. She walks in after taking control of the guard's body. Sure. Scans a computer. A bunch of stuff comes up, and it just says Carlton Drake, like owner of company or something. <laughs> Likely to be wandering around. <laughs> yeah. Goes in the building, <laughs> finds him. Same scene happens. He's like, "What are you doing here?" Takes over. Bam. See, that would explain so many things. It wouldn't have explained how Riot knew that the Life Foundation was where he needed to go. <laughs> I, I'll buy that Riot was watch- has been watching TV on his travels. Maybe maybe he does have some sort of inherent. Like, oh, this is where the other symbiotes are. Maybe he has, like, a tracking Like, part. listen, they, they were all recovered together. Maybe they could communicate in close proximity. And they he knew that, uh, man, it doesn't... So the symbiotes all get taken back to the lab. And one of the symbiotes ends up escaping anyways in Venom. Riot's yeah. plan is, I'm going to escape the scene of the crash. And I'll make my way, my own way back to the United States... And be reunited with the symbiotes. Yeah, and okay, we wait, will... wait, 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 wait. I'm now. I'm now. I just thought of something, Lee. Yeah. So he wants to get to the Life Foundation so he can launch a rocket into space, right? That's Riot's goal. Would yes. it not have been easier, considering how compatible he is with so many fucking hosts, to just have gone there initially? <laughs> well, man, I can't. Because Venom's already referencing a plan to wipe out life on Earth. Right. When was that ever brought up previous? Right. It seems like this has always been Riot's plan, but he has, like, he's like, all right, but I'm going to make it take way fucking longer. Because Riot's so powerful that he has already found four hosts that he's compatible with that they don't die instantly. And he's so powerful that he can kill an entire room of scientists in a second. So why would he not just be captured by the Life Foundation in the beginning, go to their fucking facility, and then just break out because he's that powerful? Oh, Stupid. dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, you're right. 
<laughs> You're right. I, I hate that. Uh, I hate that. Uh, Venom, in Eddie's head, argues with Anne and Dan, who want to put Eddie in the ICU. His heart and other organs are fucked up. Venom ensures Eddie can, uh, can be healed by him and kept alive. Venom grips Dan by the neck and the trap card is activated. They blast Eddie with sound, separating he and the symbiote before locking the symbiote in a room it quickly escapes from. Eddie has some words for the symbiote before it leaves. Uh, you, you were killing me? You were killing me? <laughs> you were killing me? Uh, the symbiote... <laughs> They're like, all right, Tom, act. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you got it. Uh, pretend there's a blob on the on the fucking window and you But make it. it really funny. Really funny. You were killing, you were killing me? You were killing me. <laughs> the symbiote exists, uh, exits a vent and enters the room with the small dog from earlier. Eddie calls an elevator and is tased in the heart by Treese and his thugs who are just freely moving about this hospital fully armed. Yeah. And sees the dogs uh, whose eyes flash venom. And we all know what that means. And I... Uh, and, and Okay, so that's the end of that scene. It just... Just it's, a, yeah, it's just implied that Venom inside the dog leaves the dog at some point and enters Anne inside this packed hospital and no one gives a shit. Treese and his thugs have Eddie tied to a chair in the lab. Eddie gets spicy and headbutts Treese. Drake enters and excuses the assorted thuggery. He demands to know where Venom is before losing his cool and revealing that he himself Worth is host Venom. to a symbiote that appears to be even bigger and badderer than the Venom symbiote. Drake orders Treese to take out the trash with the symbiote. Uh, without the symbiote, Eddie is useless to this Drake. This is so fucking backwards, Lee. <laughs> like, we have established that there is no security cameras or anything in this basement experimental level of the Life Foundation. Otherwise, Eddie would have been caught way, 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 way before in the movie, right? This man has an army of drones. You can't just have a drone patrol the hallway. Yeah, so why the fuck would you just not shoot Eddie Brock there? Why do you gotta bring him out into the woods? Because he's a bad he's a bad guy. He doesn't do his own. Well, dirty you know, work. we bought this set. We gotta use it twice. <laughs> <laughs> we planted all these goddamn trees. Uh trees and his uh oh sorry, we we missed a piece here. Uh, uh, yeah, so Drake and his uh his symbiote have an aside. And Drake promises to retrieve the lost symbiote. So Riot is really interested in getting Venom back. I don't. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, reasons. Uh, Trees and some thugs escort Eddie back into the woods from earlier in the film. Eddie is beaten down to his knees. He distracts the thugs as an off-screen Venom clears them out, biting the head off Trees before making out with Eddie and passing the symbiote back to him. Yeah, that's what Lo we really needed in this movie. Uh, lo and behold, it is Anne. Uh, who is also a good match for Venom, and I uh, was able to wield it here without any negative health effects or or onset craziness. Uh, or she could have gone through some shit while Eddie was yeah, kidnapped. We so don't know how much, how much time passed. little insight here for anybody that knows a little bit of the comics. Anne in the comics is a character. She is Eddie Brock's girlfriend, and she did get the Venom suit for a little bit. However, sure. when she took off the Venom suit, it was so fucking batshit crazy that she immediately killed herself. In this scene, she's just, like, horny. Yeah, in this scene, she's like, what kiss? I don't know what kiss you're talking about. Hee, 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 Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, and it gets brought up at the end of the movie again, too. So, anyway, uh, Venom with tits. Open mouth kisses Eddie Brock. Yeah, and, and then uh, Anne's, Anne's cheating on Dan here. Let's not get No, no, Anne is not in... Con it, she, she's like Venom, do as you will, and that little dog... Cough the venom into her, and then she's in the woods. So then, in uh, canon, Venom's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make out with Tom Hardy really quick." I guess Venom doesn't have a gender. We also are asking how uh, conscious the person in the symbiote is when the symbiote takes over. Uh, Eddie always seems conscious. to be keeping up with it and like and having a discourse with the with the suit. But Anne, in this case, murders a bunch of guys and bites off a man's head and clearly remembers doing it uh, as of the end of the movie. Yeah, because she's so, like, oh, I just bit that man's head off. Hee <laughs> hee. Yeah, she's a little fucked up. Uh, a <laughs> little fucked up. Venom reveals the plan of the symbiotes to invade the Earth. Venom explains he's a loser on his home planet, but on Earth he could be more. He's decided to stay. Being bonded to Eddie has changed his outlook on the situation. Yep, when I'm bonded to uh, an unemployed New Yorker, I, I know my outlook on life improves. 
Drake watches a rocket prepare for takeoff. As soon as the launch is locked in, Drake transforms into his symbiote form and murders some of his <laughs> for employees. For no reason. <laughs> Drake I, leaps Lee, from I the command center. Listen, yes, I don't I don't know how difficult rocket launchers are to pull off, Lee. But I think Rocket you need launchers or rocket launches? Rocket launches. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you need a few people behind the computers to make sure that it works properly. Listen, for everything they don't explain in this movie... I was when I was writing down my notes. I'm like, no, the guy says it's locked in. It it's going. Then Drake's like, okay, there's nothing more you can do for me. I know how a rocket works from the inside, and I'm now going to murder some of the people in the room. He doesn't that's kill not, everybody. That's not he how kills this works. Most of them. <laughs> he leaps from the command center and heads for the rocket. As you as you do, he's in such a rush. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> exclaims Eddie as he sees the hulking symbiote pounce. He's got shit you've never seen, warns Venom. The symbiotes fight. Drake's symbiote is able to quickly create dangerous weapons that aim to take Venom apart. The men inside the symbiotes get some punches in as the symbiotes contort around them. Drake absorbs Venom for a time before both hosts are expelled from their symbiotes by Anne. She is playing a high frequency on a loudspeaker. How the fuck did she get there so quick? Listen. <laughs> Uh, the noise of the rocket, however, is not the same. Even though the noise of the rocket has been used in previous iterations of Venom to separate the, the the airplane from earlier in the movie, for example. Jet engine was enough to drive... Consistency is for good movies, Lee. Let's move on. That's right. Uh, Eddie and Drake battle it out, like actually the humans. Eddie attempts to murder Drake by kicking him off a platform mid-monologue. Yeah, like, Eddie turns I love yeah. I love this scene, too, because like Tom Hardy is like a fairly... He's a fairly fit man. But Carlton ah. Drake has got to be like 120 pounds soaking wet. He's wearing like Converse All-Stars and like a white shirt. Like Eddie, Eddie Brock, like Tom Hardy is all of 5'9". So if he's standing next to you and you look small, you're you're a little guy. Yeah, he should beat the shit out of him here. <laughs> no, he just kind of like punts him off the platform. Eddie turns his back and is impaled by a symbiote-created piece of metal. He lies dying. Drake and his symbiote climb and enter the rocket. Venom crawls to Eddie, curing him, before jumping to the rocket window to taunt Drake and uh, and, and, and his symbiote, and before riding the blade uh, that was previously inside of Eddie Brock down the fuselage of the rocket, it explodes. Drake and his symbiote are incinerated. The blast catches Venom and Eddie as well. Venom slows Eddie's fall by becoming a parachute and presumably burning up. Eddie crashes into the sea. You can hear Eddie go, Venom, no! The the it's a it's a bit of a trope. The alien friend, the newfound powers, the blah 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 goes away at the end of the movie, and then it's a coin flip if they come back or not. Right? That's a that's a thing that happens sure. in movies. Yeah. Eddie and Anne are catching up on the stoop in San Francisco. Anne is planning to do some pro bono work. Eddie explains he wants to focus on the written word instead of expose reporting. Anne says she's sorry about Venom. Eddie looks pensive. He asks her if she'd like to discuss the three-way kiss between her, Venom, and Eddie. <laughs> Venom's voice can be heard saying, She has no idea we're going to win her back. Eddie excuses himself from the conversation and encounters Stan Lee. Stan implores him not to give up on her. Both of you, he says. We won't, replies Eddie. Eddie has a discussion out loud with the symbiote inside of him. He describes the differences between good and bad people and who is prime for eating. Venom wonder, wonders how he will be able to tell the difference. Eddie says he'll know. Venom threatens to eat Eddie's liver if they don't get some grub. Eddie wanders into the bodega for food, and the same robber from earlier appears. Venom takes over the situation and confronts the thief. He cuts a promo. Hold on a sec. <laughs> you know, they say all Venoms are created equal. <laughs> <laughs> you come in here again. In fact, you go anywhere in the city praying on innocent people we will find you and eat your arms and legs and your face off your head you will be this armless legless faceless thing won't you rolling down the street like a turd in the wind <laughs> do you feel me what the hell are you whimpers the robber we are venom on second thought venom devours the thief eddie says uh, good night to the clerk eddie no, and venom he says i might got a parasite or something or something like that. She's She was okay with this robber uh, being devoured in her store in front of her very eyes. She was more concerned about Eddie. <laughs> yeah. The monster living inside of him. Uh, yeah, he, he explains it's a parasite. She says goodnight. 
and Eddie and Venom walk out into the night. Uh, the world is their oyster. Venom by Eminem plays over some fancy credits, but that's not the end of the movie. That's right? not it. Mid-credits scene, because this movie could not trust you to wait till the end of the credits. <laughs> Uh, Eddie is escorted in uh, by a prison guard through an old-looking prison. Eddie is warned about the man he will interview. Woody Harrelson, in a carrot-top wig, sits in an iron cage. He's writing on the cell wall in what appears to be blood. Eddie is escorted into an iron cell and locked in. The prisoner, described as red, sits in another smaller cell within that cage. This is Cletus Cassidy, a serial killer, a madman. He jaws with Eddie for a time and invites him to come closer. When I get out of here, he says, there will be carnage. <laughs> Ten full minutes of credits follow the end. Venom! Venom! Reed, thank you for joining me. Uh, this was this was fun. Uh, I, I think we can both say, without a doubt, that we both genuinely enjoyed the movie Venom, a movie that took some of the lessons of the newer, more popular, more critically acclaimed superhero movies and mixed it with the old trash Thomas Jane Punisher Blade era. <laughs> ben Affleck Daredevil. Yeah, the really misled era of uh, comic book uh, movies and stuff like that and and found a, a, a symbiosis uh, and lucked out with the lead character here, Eddie Brock, played by Tom Hardy, who makes this movie... Endlessly entertainable, uh, entertaining to watch on repeat uh, watchings and stuff like that. And uh, it's a movie uh, we'll continue to enjoy for years. And we can't wait for Venom 2, which was delayed <laughs> to, to next year or some shit. But we'll, uh, we'll get back around to it. Oh, Jesus! Got an email here to the Tits of the Iceberg email from Anna. I desire to present you each centimeter of my body. I am 25 years old. I wish to meet a lover, which can make my night times exhausting. Do you want to dominate me? I am able to do all you will say. You can forget about ignoring. You thinking about ignoring? You can forget about it. Write me in my personal profile and every hidden fantasies will be released. You will be boss with me and my dreams. Thank you, Anna. If you want to send an email to the show, it's lee at tizzyiceberg.com. Or you can uh, DM us at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter. Not a whole lot uh, in the world of pop culture to talk about today before we head into the Sultans of Slam and call it a day. Other than junk emails seems to be increasing. I guess tax season does that. Been dealing a lot on a business side of things. Either with people from North Carolina or from the UK. It's like colonial times uh, for me. Uh, mate. Is that something I can say? Is the Commonwealth grandfathered in on that stuff? Because uh, you really want to say it. When someone says cheers or mate to you, you want to respond in kind. I just don't know if it's okay. Less than half of the people who watched the Snyder Cut of the Justice League, all four hours of it, actually finished it. Maybe they're coming back to it later. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt on that. Turns out Joss Whedon, huge douche. You you could say that, you know, being brought in for the event, handpicked, brought in for the Avengers, and delivering on that billion-dollar franchise would give you a big head. But apparently, no, this man has been a bit of an asshole since way back in the day. And uh, it's just coming to light now that he he might be antagonistic to some of his stars uh, and an awful human being. So that story's developing. I'm going to leave any video game talk to Public Beta Podcast this week because there are some new games to talk about. Digging into that Outriders on Game Pass, when the servers would allow. So, without further ado, let's head to some pro wrestling. Oh baby, it's the Sultans of Slam. Congratulations to one Will Ospreay, who managed to secure the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship from Kota Ibushi by defeating him at Sakura Genesis. Uh, this shook up the pro wrestling world. I haven't been following Japanese wrestling all year. I barely watched uh, Wrestle Kingdom this year. Uh, I was following the G1 a little bit just to, to watch some of the highlight matches. But uh, it seemed like they had a lot of guys simmering and that at pulling the trigger on a Will Ospreay like this. Uh, I don't know. It, it makes sense. Poor Kota Ibushi, though. That guy has had a roller coaster ride with what what he has been pushing for for those belts and now he is he has he's lost it uh, to one Will Ospreay. So 
cool stuff over there. But let's talk about AEW Dynamite. From Wednesday night, March 31st, last month already at this point, uh, Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, GR Excalibur and Tony welcome us. Kristen Cage versus Frankie Kazarian will open the show. Kristen kisses the mat upon entering it. This is his first singles contest in seven years. It's an okay match. They lock up uh, some some great arm drags, uh, some good stuff here, slowing down the pace, just some pro fucking wrestling. Uh, Christian ends up winning with a kill switch here. Frankie Kazarian is a fantastic dance partner for your first match back in over seven years. And man, I heard Christian on the uh, Jericho podcast. Guy just took it back to basics. Uh, just built his body back up, got cleared, and here we fucking are. Uh, Christian is not in any way a big deal to me, personally. Uh, I did not follow Impact. I did not really watch WWE in his heyday. Uh, but I've heard nothing but good things and the, the respect this man has from around the industry. So I hope to see some really cool stuff out of him. And people are already calling for uh, a match between him and, uh, and Omega. So maybe that's the way it goes. Darby Allen does a video, calls out Matt Hardy for buying respect, tells him his money means nothing, and then he'll have to earn Darby's respect, uh, along with a, a eyeball cutout uh, face of t- uh, Matt Hardy on someone, and uh, flames, and all the good Darby Allen ingredients you've been come to, to be used to. Tonight, Arcade Anarchy match, Kip Sabian and Miro, with Penelope Ford, uh, versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Omega and the Good Brothers versus the Lucha Bros, featuring Laredo Kid, uh, Moxley and Caesar Bononi. I call him Caesar, but it's Caesar Bononi. Uh, MJF has a gift for the Pinnacle. Sheeta and Tay Conti versus Bunny and Nyla Rose and Rhodes, being Cody Rhodes. Uh, that was Nyla Rose, not Nyla Rhodes, by the way. Next, uh, we will have Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall in an exhibition match that Cody has granted him. Jade Cargill video package calling out Red Velvet once more. She walks and talks like money. She is that bitch. The Nightmare Factory members surround the ring. QT awaits Cody in the ring. Ann Anderson is... Arn Anderson is your guest referee here. Man, I've lost my ability to talk here at the end of the day. Cody lets QT go several times. By that, I mean he's got him in the crossroads. He's got him in the figure four. And Cody... He will not hurt QT Marshall in this match. QT to the outside, the crowd chants Cody's friend at him. QT re-enters the ring and decides to deck Arn Anderson here. The Nightmare Factory students swarm the ring and clean house on the Rhodes Bros and the Gun Club. Dustin takes a pile driver onto the steel steps from QT. QT directs the students to bring him Cody. Lee Johnson gets fucked up here in the in the middle of the summer too. Uh, Red Velvet appears and is able to reason with QT. He and his students slink to the back before he's able to murder Cody with a chair or whatever he was doing. So this, this is all fine, and the turn here is fine, and the attack is fine, QT's performance is fine, uh, Cody comes off as a bit of an, like an idiot babyface here, um, it calls into question what is doing damage to someone and what isn't, uh, to slap someone in the face, but to not give them a, a, a crossroads, etc. Are there damage, uh, are there damage numbers associated with different moves? Is a finisher considered... Uh, like something devastating, something you wouldn't do to a friend outside the the context of a match. Although this is a match, although it's an exhibition match, it doesn't count towards these men's records. Uh, so therefore, we we shouldn't we should take it easy. We shouldn't hurt each other. Cody's coming back from an injury, so I guess that's this part of the of the thing. But like a Jr. Or someone said during the match, telling someone you're going to go easy on them is basically telling them they are not as tough as you. So QT is perfectly justified in everything. He is done here based on what we have seen. However, it's still QT Marshall. Where is this going? And how long will I care about QT Marshall now being the head of a faction of heels? The students. Uh, Man, I don't know. Again, everything was executed here perfectly. I just don't know if I want to see any more of it, I think is what what I'm kind of getting at here. Uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky cut a promo together in a box. <laughs> uh, they will fight the Seidels on Monday's Elevation. They're doing the thing where like they they interrupt each other's promo, but then it turns out they're sitting shoulder by shoulder, and then at the end they say the last part in unison. Kind of lame. It's fine. Again, executed exactly the way they intended it to, but whatever. The announcers recount what just happened. JR is embarrassed for QT, QT Marshall, he says. 
Dasha is with Red Velvet in the back. She says she's, she's always going to have Cody's back as they are partners. Jade Cargill comes flying in and assaults Velvet, leaving her laying. Moxley cuts a promo from earlier today. He's in a foul mood being attacked by goons. He tries to make sense of the Young Bucks situation and whose side they're on. He praises Caesar's, Caesar, Caesar, Caesar Bononi. Caesar's body says that he will kill him tonight. He'll choke him out, put him on the floor, whatever it has to do to get his angst out. Right now, Moxley versus Caesar Bononi. Whatever. Fuck this guy. Uh, JD Drake and Ryan Nemeth get involved here as well. They are apparently uh, Caesar's friends, just like a job squad or something going on here. Caesar Bononi looks great. Uh, he's just like a tall Brazilian football player. Uh, cut the shit. He's got the cool little facial hair thing going. He's got a great look. I can't speak much about him as a wrestler. He's being fed to like the likes of Hangman Page and, and Moxley in recent weeks. Um, apparently this guy was in NXT for a long time and hasn't really improved since then. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the plan is with this guy. Right now he's a big, good-looking guy. They can feed to their top babies. And I guess that's fine. Uh, Moxley reserves, uh, what? Reverses a pump handle into a rear naked sleeper and eventually puts Benoni away, even though uh, Ryan Nemeth and J.D. Drake get involved here quite a bit. J.D. Drake, I haven't really seen. I assume he's been making the rounds on Dark. Uh, he's got a good look, too, as uh, your, your comedy job. Of course, with, with the addition of two other guys at ringside, now it's a 3v1 for Moxley to overcome, and everybody gets their comeuppance, and... Uh, Works pretty good. Good little shine match here. Uh, Taz and his crew ensure us that everything is cool. Starks and Cage clearly have an issue and almost begin to argue. Taz cl calms them down and uh, tells them to be cool. The inner circle appear at Pinnacle's door. There is a massive beatdown. The worst is yet to come, says Jericho, as he gives MJF a swirly and puts his head through a Pepsi cooler. The inner circle reclaims their dressing room in style. There's a uh, little vignettes here. You get to see Sammy and uh, give like a go to sleep to Sean Spears and slam his head in the door. Um, Private Party kills FTR outside. Uh, good good stuff here. Wardlow and uh, Hager throwing punches into walls and shit like it's a superhero movie. This was uh, the right level of dumb. Just like a little little just a just a thin veneer. Uh, of dumb inner circle kind of comedy over top of them reclaiming their dressing room. Uh, people think it's a little bit early. Some people, I think, are like, oh, why'd the inner circle come back so so soon? And it might have something to do with Mike Tyson uh, being on AW Dynamite this Wednesday and that coinciding with Chris Jericho speaking for the first time since MJF turned on him. Alex Marvez with the Young Bucks. He asks them about their dirty laundry with Kenny Omega. Don Callis appears. He excuses Nick and Marvez. Tells Matt they need to talk. Matt to man. Callis says he loves Kenny Omega. I thought you loved him too. Last week you broke his heart. He chose the Young Bucks over fortune and fame in Japan. And in return, they left him bleeding in the ring. Don Callis asks what's wrong with him. Matt stays silent. Don slaps him to get a response. Matt grabs him by the collar before letting him go. Callus asks if there's anything inside him at all. He calls him truly pathetic. Excalibur calls Don a piece of human garbage. And it's time for the Lucha Bros with Laredo Kid versus Kenny and the Good Brothers. This was fine in terms of Don Callis, Young Bucks backstage stuff. This was good because it, it feels like there's something... We, we've had a previous thing where these guys have been at each other's throats and then it was implied that Don Callis was super kicked and then they decided, no, no, that didn't happen. It's better maybe if the Young Bucks don't properly lay a hand on Don Callis yet. So they kind of retconned it. It makes for very confusing storytelling with where everyone is at. Uh, and, and I understand there's supposed to be some mystery. We're not supposed to necessarily know what Mac Jackson, Matt Jackson is thinking and what his problem is. But... Uh, but in the way the story's been told so far, it's kind of it's it's kind of like you have to wait to see where it's going to make sense of the stuff that has happened so far, and I don't like that. Uh, Lucha Bros plus Laredo Kid versus Kenny and the Good Brothers. Uh, Luchas cut a promo and picture in picture. Their translator standing by, and I'm so sorry I didn't grab this man's name or look it up, or I still could and edit it in. Just put it right here, but I didn't. I'm a lazy ass. Uh, he's standing by to convey Penta's promo in English. This guy is great, and he looks to be a member of the stable now, which is fantastic. Uh, for them. Fantastic matches expected. Lots of high spots from the Luchas and comedy spots from the Heels, including like a three-body splash, which was kind of dumb. Uh, a one-wing angel from Omega puts Laredo Kid away. Moxley stumbles out of the back after the match. The Young Bucks follow him. Omega and the brothers run like scalded dogs, wanting no part of Mox and the Bucks. 
Tony throws to Britt Baker and Rebel backstage. Britt talks over ele- uh, talks up Elevation, says she saw Rosa was advertised for being on there, and we'll meet her there or something like that. Nyla Rose, Bunny, and Vicky Guerrero work their way to the ring. Matt Hardy cuts a promo in picture-in-picture about how Bunny has been excluded from all the reindeer games of the women's division of AEW. Refers to his group as the HFO. Mentions uh, making money as of April 1st. Of course, Hangman has made all his money of 2021 so far because of their pay-per-view match. Dark Order and Hardy's thugs are at ringside for this one. A storm is brewing between them. Coming out of picture-in-picture, Sheeta and Conti splash the outside. Bunny smacks a distracted Tay Conti with a kendo stick to pin her 1-2-3. Matt Hardy and his goons pose. Next week, Moxley and Bucks versus Omega and Good Brothers. Bunny vs. Conti 1-1v1. Uh, Allen vs. JD Drake for the TNT Championship because of an open challenge or something like that. Uh, the Return of the Inner Circle will be next week as well. Jurassic Express vs. Bear Country presented by... Godzilla vs. King Kong or something like that. Quick comment on this by the Jurassic Express themselves. Marco reveals he's got a King Kong tattoo. Luchasaurus is very upset about this because they're supposed to be dinosaurs. Before we move on to Arcade Anarchy, the women's match was actually pretty uh, alright. Obviously, with so many people at ringside, there was a lot of distractions and uh, interference and stuff like that. Uh, But for the most part, pretty good. Pretty good match. Hikaru Shida, to me, is, is, is kind of become a zero in terms of just draw for a champion. Uh, they're shining up so many other women, uh, and Sheeta. The last notable thing I remember Sheeta doing was the the Ab- Abaddon uh, thing w- was most stood out, and not in a good way. Uh, so I don't know what the plan is here. You have a lot of different directions to go, and uh, poor Sheeta, I think, is just going to be handing off that belt to someone and maybe not seeing it again for for a while. We'll see. They're shining up a lot of a uh, lot of potentials here. Um, Anna J injured for a very long time i think maybe tay conti is is moving into her slot uh for the moment anyhow i digress it's time for the arcade anarchy pixies where is my mind is orange cassidy's new theme theme music i think i've heard it previously on a dynamite but this time you get a real good listen of it uh with tony khan licensing some more music uh for his wrestlers why the fuck not that stuff's probably cheap especially right now with these uh people not being able to perform live who knows who owns the You'd be surprised to learn. You go knock on Baltimore's door and you're like, I need Tarzan Boy. And they're like, yes, absolutely. It's free. Uh, So there's a lot of spots with gutted arcade cabinets and other redemption or otherwise entertainment machines and tables you might find in an arcade. You might find in an arcade. None of these are functional, mind you. They're mostly fiberglass or cardboard husks of actual arcade machines. Teddy bear full of Legos, I have written here. Chuck Taylor does a little uh, little play on the, the thumbtacks. With some Legos, that's clever. You can't do it all the time. You blew it here. Uh, I guess this is like you, you can't can't do the teddy bear of Legos all the time. Uh, Penelope kicks Orange in the dick. Chris Statlander returns in a UFO catcher machine. She pushes the glass into Penelope's face, and it looks pretty brutal. Penelope just got her arms up in time uh, before sending her through an air hockey table at ringside. And that pretty much takes care of them for this match. Chris Statlander is back, and according to commentary, is still a fucking alien. So we'll wait to see uh what we <laughs> we'll wait to hear from one chris statlander uh before burying that miro is so dangerous and intimidating says jr chuck and orange crawl up the ramp to the parking area trent's mom sue appears in her white van trent pops out of the back seat gets a kiss on the cheek from mom and heads to the ring to settle ass best friends ping pong miro around a bit before miro and trent are the only ones left standing miro spears trent uh miro bleh. trent spears miro through the table at ringside rather chuck with a running power slam through the stage to Kip and then pins him outside the ring. The best friends and Orange Cassidy win this one. They hug in the ring. Statlander joins them. Big thumbs up to Sue back at the van. I'm hoping this is done. I'm hoping whatever comes out of uh, this is maybe a quick grudge between Miro and Kip. Miro killing Kip and then going going solo. And then you can have him come back at the, at the best friends. Or maybe just go their separate ways at this point. But... Not a bad match. The show really had a little something for everyone, I have to say. Uh, when you really look at the the matches here, you had like you had fucking. You start with Christian and Kazarian, and you end with a man uh, spilling a teddy bear full of Legos in the ring. Uh, you know, it's a little something for everyone. Uh, I feel like the Moxley Young Bucks Kenny Omega Good Brothers uh, match next week will be an interesting one. Uh, man. Not sure on the story they're telling there and and where it ends up, uh, who ends up the baby at the end, because they're really making everyone unlikable at the same time. But when you're standing next to Don Callis, you know, you're never the most unlikable guy in the room. So 
I digress. That's going to be the Tipsy Iceberg podcast this week. Thank you for tuning in uh, to the start there for the conclusion of Venom. If you do want to hear the first part of Venom, and why, of course, wouldn't you? It's on the same feed, uh, but it's under Public Beta Podcast uh, as a bonus episode. So if you're on Podbean, you'll see it. If you're on iTunes, uh, it should have automatically queued up. If you're on Spotify, they may be separated by season. And of course, we will have a compilation of that episode out with both parts combined coming up soon. So look forward to that. Public Beta Podcast returns with a regular programming this Thursday talking about video games. So stay tuned for that. As we mentioned just a little while ago, leahtissiestrom.com is my email address if you want to send any questions, topics, things that might be interesting for the show, or at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter is us as well. Thank you, as always, for listening. And that's just the tits.